Hi, welcome to the Wolves and Sheep podcast. I'm Roberta Glass, and today I'm going to be talking about the West Memphis Three case, and I will solve it for you. So, the West Memphis Three case is about the murder of three eight-year-old boys, Chris Byers, Michael Moore, and Stevie Branch, on May 5th, 1993, in West Memphis, Arkansas. Now, the boys went for a bike ride in the Robin Hood's area of um, their neighborhood, and they went missing, and a search ensued for them, and they were found in the Robin Hood's area in a lake, in a wooded area in a lake, submerged in water, tied in their own shoelaces. And when they did a luminol test on the um, slope going into the lake, it lit up. Now, that was not presented into court because it was a fairly new um, technique then in 1993, but I've heard many people say in this case that there was no blood, and there was, in fact, a lot of blood, unless you want to believe that There was a lot of carrots and other kind of root vegetables that light up luminol that they, by chance, um, somehow rubbed them all over the slope of the, uh, going into the lake. But, I mean, I've heard people say so many crazy things in this case that I feel like I have to, um, address so many of them, even though they are some, there's a lot of, um, wacky theories when it comes to this case. Now, this Right away, the town was shook up and upset, as you would be, and horrified when three eight-year-old boys are murdered. And right away, one suspect stood out. And that was a guy who had a history of setting fires, who had a long psychiatric history of going in and out of psychiatric hospitals, who in the psychiatric hospitals described himself as homicidal and sociopathic. He also beat a Green Dane to death. He liked to kill cats via firecrackers up their anus. And um, he, I think he correctly identified himself as a sociopath because setting fires and cruelty to animals are two of the um, big ones. Superficial charm is another one, and he was identified as having those. And he um, was a troublemaker. He also tried to gouge out uh, classmates' eyes. He had dropped out of school. He was a little bit old. He was about 19 at this time. And his name was Damien Eccles. Now, Damien Eccles, the rumor around town was Damien Eccles held these kind of occult meetings. And two people started uh, being, his best friend at the time was Jason Baldwin. So he sort of got guilt by association. And when they brought them in for questioning, uh, um, Damien Eccles took a polygraph and he failed it. And he said, wait, I'm going to tell you everything. Let me talk to my mom. So they let him talk to his mom. And he clammed up. 
and lawyered up after that. <laughs> so it looked like, at that time, you could say it looked like he was going to confess and uh, didn't. And Jason Baldwin refused the polygraph. However, um, their alibis, they had no alibis. Jesse Miss Kelly, who gave his friend uh, a pair of muddy sneakers uh, around this time of the murders and said he had hurt some kids to his friend Buddy Lucas. And you can listen to Buddy Lucas's um, questioning on YouTube. Uh, confessed to the police. He was brought in. It was not a. It was for about two and a half hours. They waited to get his his father's permission. But once they got his father's permission, it was about a two and a half hour um, questioning by the police. He confessed, and then he went on to confess to his lawyer, and then he went on to um, confess some more. And those continual confessions, um, will will get to a little bit later. Um, but that is his, the reason that he would confess so many times. And, uh, one of the favorite things people like to say who are West Memphis three supporters is Jesse Miss Kelly is so dumb. That's why he confessed so many times. And even children, you know, do not confess multiple times against their best interest. And for those who believe that that was a false confession, even proponents of false confessions would not include a false confession, would not qualify a false confession as multiple confessions that happen at various times with your lawyer present in sort of a non-stressed-out environment. The idea of a false confession is it's under duress, it's under stress, it's under pressure, um, it's a need to please authority, but... This is a confession. These are multiple confessions that happen, you know, many different times. So, right away, those three suspects um, stood out. And the Hollingsworth family was a family who grew up with um, knowing um, Dominie Tier was... Um, Damien Eccles' girlfriend at the time, who was pregnant. And they said that the night of the murders, that they saw Eccles and Damani walking away from the scene of the crime covered in mud. So Eccles was um, covered in mud. And Damani was cleared but um, as a suspect, but that has always led me to wonder. And the other thing that always makes me wonder about her, whether she was involved, is that she's... In the documentary that, I don't, I say loosely, documentary that, uh, one of the many that was made on this case, and when the verdict comes down, she says she has no compassion for the victims, and that's pretty harsh. Um, that is obviously not enough evidence to point the finger, but it is enough evidence for me to put a question mark next to it. There were also some other things that uh, tied the West Memphis Three that is Jesse Miss Kelly, Jason Baldwin, and Damian Eccles to the murder. In addition to not having alibis, Jesse Miss Kelly, Damian Eccles both follow, failing their poly, polygraph. Um, and you have to think just, I mean, you can almost stop there. 
um, in your research, um, not stop, but note that what are the chances that two people would fail a polygraph and that those same two people would not have alibis and those same two people would confess. One of them, multiple times, one time with their lawyer present. Let's talk about Jesse Miss Kelly. I'm just dying to talk about Jesse Miss Kelly's confession, so let's talk about them, all right? Because I don't want to sit on this anymore, but let's talk about them. The guy confessed to Buddy Lucas. Then he confessed to the police. Then he, uh, he confessed to his lawyer. Then he, okay, I'm at four right now. Then after he was convicted, he got in the police car and confessed to the police all the way to jail. After jail, when his lawyer was working on his appeal, and this is recorded, you can hear his lawyer begging him not to confess. And Jesse Miss Kelly says, um, I, wanna, can, I want something done about it. So if that is coercion the other way, the lawyers tell him to shut, the, shut up, and he's like, no, I want something done about it. And he gives another long, detailed confession. Then there's another time, also recorded, also on YouTube, uh, if you look up Jesse Miss Kelly's confessions, not one, multiple, now we're on, what, six? Um, <laughs> we're this hand on the Bible. He also confessed to an ardent West Memphis Three supporter who went under the name True, True Romance. Her name was Lindsay. And she was sending him a ton of money. And finally, he confessed to her. And she said something very interesting, which I always remember, because it's something that I keep in mind as I'm researching true crime. She said that the guilty side never lied to me. And I think back to that, and other pe- and people who've heard my other podcasts will know that um, I got a letter early on in the Amanda Knox case at my job describing her case. She had just been arrested, and they talked about how she was vilified in the press because she went out and bought underwear. And she had just bought this 99 cents underwear, white underwear in the bin, and the press made it into something that it wasn't that she went out and bought lingerie. Lo and behold, if that wasn't a lie, why would they lie about that? In fact, Amanda Knox went out and bought lingerie with her boyfriend. She's on film holding it up right after the murder, saying, you know, uh, I can't wait to go home and have great sex. That's what the store owner said. I really don't care what she said. The point to me of that, or or the sort of wake-up moment in my own life, was if you have a, um organization like the Friends for Amanda or the West Memphis three organization and they are feeding you or Bob Ruff and they are feeding you information that is false you have to wonder why or excluding information and um, on the guilty side it's unnecessary if there are exonerating things in their case you know you will find it in the case files in the court documents but there is not Um, unless they are guilty, there is no need to manipulate the case. So, 
sort of got off on a tangent there, but what J- Jesse Miskelly confessed multiple times, multiple times. So I haven't met a, and he admitted in his initial confession to um, giving false information to mess with the police. So he said that the crime happened in the you know morning or they tied him up with ropes to throw the police off. But you can see that um, no confessions are 100% correct, but they do, they are of one piece with the evidence. So I encourage you, if you can, it's really hard to listen to, and it's hard to ever look at this kind of positive press that comes out for them ever again once you've listened to Jesse Miss Kelly's confessions. So there was also blue wax found that matched blue wax um, on one of the victim's shirts that also matched a blue candle found in um, Eccles' home. A fiber from a robe matched um, fiber um, from the crime scene. Much of the, what people, I know we have the CSI effect where people are looking for DNA evidence or DNA evidence connected to the scene was destroyed due to the submerging of, of them being submerged in water. Now, um, so the three of them went to court and actually, I'm sorry, Jason Baldwin and Eccles were tried separately than Miss Kelly, and Miss Kelly's confession was not allowed in his first confession, was not allowed in that trial. And two separate juries, one for Miss Kelly and one for Eccles and Baldwin, who were tried together, convicted them. And Eccles was uh, sentenced to death, and Baldwin. Um, was sentenced to um, life. So what happened was it was being filmed for HBO, and you can see that the first documentary is a little bit more balanced, and then the second, but they are still heavily embedded in uh, the convicted, you know, the defense side. You can see that there's a little bias for the defense in the first one. The second one is just extremely biased and points the finger at the stepfather, John Mark Byers. And he was a jeweler and kind of wild character. And um, it has come out that they staged a lot of those scenes. And he was great on film. He was a great villain. So it made those documentaries really watchable, really compelling. And they gave the narrative that the West Memphis Three were convicted because of satanic panic. So let's talk about the Satanism. Now, who brought up the Satanism? And I think this will surprise you. Damien Eccles brought up the Satanism. When they police asked them who he thought murdered the boys, he told the police Satanists. Interesting answer, right? So who's panicking? Eccles was panicking, if we're going to say that this is like he was part of a community panic. And um, Eccles, by his own admission in an article in Vice, said that he believes that he was singled out because of his love and knowledge of Crowley. Alistair Crowley, the um, creator or the founder of the Church of Thelema. 
and he said he was new, almost, you know, he was a devoted Thelmalite. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. It's hard to pronounce. Um, or a devotee to Crowley from the age 12 in that Vice article, and I encourage you to read it. So he's saying that he was singled out because they didn't like that he was a Crowley follower. But on the stand, which you can also see on YouTube, Eccles, basically he admitted that Vice article to committing perjury, said he never read anything by Crowley. He knew of him, um, but he never read anything by him. In this article, he said, I knew everything about Crowley. I loved him, and that's why I was, you know, convicted. So that's interesting. And they also make a lot of Dr. Dale Griffith's um, credentials, which are quite um, extensive. He had worked with um, local police forces to identify these kind of occult-inspired um, crimes. Now, that's kind of been a whitewash in America that we don't have any um, occult-inspired crimes. If you read um, William Ramsey's book on the West Memphis Three called Abomination, which is excellent, um, there have been many uh, occult-inspired crimes, or what would be called satanic uh, satanic crimes in America. It's just another thing like child abuse that isn't supposed to happen or nobody's supposed to commit a murder for a crazy reason. So there were a lot of um, occult elements, the element of three boys, of them being eight years old, which Crowley said was the ideal age for a victim, the drowning, the tying of knots, sort of um, those were uh, identified as occult elements. Also, something interesting about the knots, the knots were tied in three different styles, indicating that there were three different perpetrators. Unless you want to believe that one or two people started, got bored tying knots um, one way and decided to tie them a different way, you know, on three different boys. And if you believe that, then... Um, Ask yourself, how many times have you tied knots differently um, in a high-stress <laughs> environment? Or even any time, for any reason, at the same time, decided to just start tying knots differently. Um, I, you know, I guess you could say, I'm so used to wild theories, you could say that that wasn't three people, that that was one guy trying to throw the police off. That obviously could, uh, you know, anything's possible. I'll even, you know what, I'll even give you that. It's just interesting to note, there's just so much more damning evidence against these guys. Let's get into it. So, when these movies came out, oh, let me encourage you to look at Dale Griffith's actual credentials, and there is a good interview on the Opperman Report talking about this case, and he brought up the good point that after the West Memphis Three were convicted, that... Uh, eight-year-old boys were not, um, these kind of murders uh, ceased to uh, happen after they went to jail. So, you know, after they were arrested. So, it wasn't like Mr. Bojangles, which was a character who had his arm in a sling. He went to the Bojangles chicken, and he was bleeding, and the police lost the blood evidence. That was the night of the murder. And 
The reason that Mr. Bojangles is not a good suspect, he may have been there, uh, but was he the sole murderer? The reason he is not the sole murderer is because he could not, with one arm, have captured and tied and beat three boys. And you have to remember that um, Byers had his penis cut off. That is how he bled to death. And Jason Baldwin also confessed to his cellmate in prison, and it included this detail to his... um, It wasn't his cellmate, it was his prison mate at a card game. And um, the West Memphis Three team has since uh, gotten him on their side, but he did pass a lie detector test at the time. Whatever you want to say about lie detector tests, all three of these guys have confessed at various times. Damien Eccles to the soccer girls that was at a soccer game uh, said, I killed those three boys and I'm going to kill two more before handing myself in. Uh, Those girls said the same story under oath. And let's talk about stories under oath that are different than stories not under oath. When you testify under oath, you run the risk, if you're lying, of committing perjury, which is its own offense with its own penalty. So I give more weight to things that can be statements that can be cross-examined and statements that are under oath than statements that are given to the press. But as you will see, the West Memphis Three defense is largely played out in the press. So when these documentaries came out, The public started getting uh, outraged. They started picking up celebrity supporters um, like the Henry Rollins. I was going to say the guy from Black Flag, Henry Rollins, um, Margaret Cho, um, who else? Oh, I'm trying to think of the early, early supporters. Later on came Johnny Depp. The Dixie Chicks, uh, front lead singer, um, forgetting her name now, I'm so sorry, it'll come to me, um, and uh, the director of the Lord of the Rings movie. Um, so, but early on, they had these um, supporters, and they started to raise an incredible amount of money. The money raised for the West Memphis Three for the defense is between 10 and $20 million. And that's never been uh, refuted by the uh, West Memphis Three team. 10 to $20 million. So to understand this case, you have to understand that after 18 years, they said we did this uh, DNA testing and this hair was found in the ligature of the knot on one of the boys, and this hair matches this stepfather, Terry Hobbs. The truth about that hair is that hair is not a specific kind of DNA. It's a DNA that matches 4.5 million Americans. And they say, we found a hair on the stub, uh, on the stub of a tree, and that mat- uh, matches Hobbs's friend. And that matches, I think, like 20 or 40 million Americans. I'm sorry, I don't have qu- 
quite the same specificity on that, but it's a large, millions of Americans. So for those of you that say Terry Hobbs, that's, um, you know, uh, evidence of anything, it's not, you know. It's evidence that maybe, even if it were his hair, it's evidence that they hung out a lot and they might have picked up a hair. But, um, so they were going to try to get a new um, court case with all this money and great lawyers and instead of presenting the prosecution with their DNA evidence as if if they had to go to court they would have to share all of it not just these two hairs but all of the stuff that they found and this is why I wonder if it was so exonerating for the West Memphis Three because it was never released all this DNA evidence that they found was never really released to the public, it never had to be, um, because it never had to be released to the prosecutors, because instead they took an Alford plea, which is legally a guilty plea. And I don't care, Jason Baldwin, uh, child killer, that you say that you didn't want to take the plea. The fact is you took the plea. It's like very easy to say, like, I didn't want to take it, I'm an innocent man. Well, you didn't act like an innocent man. You didn't fight the charges. You didn't present your exonerating evidence, you had at least 10 times what O.J. Simpson had to exonerate himself, and you didn't do it. You know, they bought off these experts who said it was turtle predation, and let's talk about the turtles. The fact that there was hemorrhages on these wounds on the boys lets you know that these wounds happened when the boys were alive. So you have to believe that this turtle bit only went for the penis, right? Because, you know, turtles just, like, they see a penis and they're like, you know, eight-year-old penis is a, you know, delicacy. It's so disgusting, this freaking defense. I'm sorry. But the guy had his penis cut off and bled to death from it while he was alive. He died from blood loss. He didn't die from drowning. So, you know, you have to say that he stood... uh was in the water, not drowning. The other two drowned alive when the turtle bit his penis off. That's just a fact. You know, I'm sure Bob Ruff won't tell you that detail because, uh, you know, he's like, you could just bang your head against the wall so many times listening to that guy. He just cannot. Any kind of damning evidence goes in one ear, goes out the uh, other, and he's on the phone all the time with the child killer himself being fed lies. So I'm sorry, got a little off track, but, um, so that's how the turtle evidence got there. They bought off, um, you know, really good investigators who just sort of like omit things. They'll say like the boys never got in trouble before, which is not true. Baldwin had a uh, record of, um, petty thief of shoplifting and Eccles was known as a problem you know, starting fires, starting fights, going to the psychiatric, um, sorry, my cat is coming up because I'm getting so upset. She's a very calming cat. Um, so they, you know, they knew right away that that, so that's how they got experts to sort of shill for the West Memphis Three. And uh, I just saw a great documentary about Dominic Dunn, and he said these experts that juries always believe, he called them whores of the court. And the West Memphis Three sure had a lot of whores to do their um, bidding if they were paid enough money. Some of these are the what's called bite mark evidence. 
Others are sort of profilers who say that Damien Eccles didn't have a scary profile. You know, the interesting thing is Eccles himself, at the time of the murders, is giving himself a scary profile, calling himself homicidal. So, the West Memphis Three pled guilty via an Alford plea, which is legally a guilty plea. The case is closed. They are not exonerated. They are not wrongfully convicted. They are considered rightfully convicted. An Alford plea does let you maintain your innocence while admitting that they had enough evidence to convict you. So that's the Alford plea. They were released on that doing after serving 18 years in 2011. And they have a incredibly strong PR team as 10 to 20 million dollars will buy you in uh, Lonnie Suri is his name and he controls a lot of what is um written about the West Memphis 3 and what they did was they took the Alfred plea which is a guilty plea and they said oh we've been exonerated they just put the sort of word exonerated West Memphis 3 in front of their name and they said at the time there was an interesting press conference and at the time if you I want to I'm just going to talk directly to the West Memphis 3 supporters and I know it's hard to listen to and I know you probably want to bang my head against the wall but you have to understand that I came at this case hoping to exonerate them, having watched the movie, thinking the first movie, thinking it was a miscarriage of justice. I really didn't want to come to this conclusion. It was only after looking at the case files and the court documents did I come to the conclusion that they were guilty. So I just want to ask you, with all the money that they had, to exonerate themselves, why did they plead guilty? The other question I want to ask you is to look at the press conference the West Memphis Three did after they took the Alfred plea. And in that, they say that Baldwin says he took the Alfred plea because Eccles was in terrible health and that he was going to die before that they could prove their innocence in court. What he was going to die of has not been disclosed, although he has admitted to bad teeth and bad eyesight. But um, like the other vague claims like um, brutality in prison and other things, they can't be um, substantiated. They remain a story. So... They say in that conference, in that press conference, that they are going, that they can do more good from the outside to fight for their exoneration. And I ask you, what have they done to exonerate themselves? Unless, you know, hanging out with Johnny Depp is some kind of secret exoneration meeting, they've done nothing. And Damien Eccles has devoted his entire life to the occult, even releasing a book on magic. As I record this, The Guardian has another wrongly informed piece, love letter to Damien Eccles and his wife, um, Lori Davis, about their occult practicing and their devotion to Crowley. So 
what have they done to exonerate themselves? The other thing that the West Memphis Three did was they bought off the parents, I believe. I can't prove this, but the two parents that had substance abuse problems, John Mark Byers, who was original suspect, now it's Terry Hobbs, um, what they did was they paid them off to join their side to say the West Memphis Three were uh, innocent. Um, you, and I think that's really sad. Uh, and uh, there is some evidence that John Mark Byers' uh, life situation improved right before he changed his opinion, but there are still um, four parents who all agree that the West Memphis Three were rightfully convicted. So the West Memphis Three case is solved. It's not fit for an open-source investigation, the West Memphis Three themselves closed it when they pled guilty. And for us to continue to swallow this Kool-Aid without looking at the West Memphis Three Kool-Aid, without looking at both sides, is really uh, wrong. So I encourage people, instead of insulting me in the comments, which I know is coming, because the West Memphis Three uh, supporters can be some of the most vicious of all the uh, murder groupies out there. Um, I encourage you to look at both sides. And if you can't look at both sides, ask yourself why. And maybe say that your opinion is more based on feeling than facts. So, that's it. I don't have any... Um, else to really say. It's a very sad case. If you'd like me to talk about any specific aspect of this case, let me know. Um, it's a complicated case, but it's m the most interesting part of this case to me is the incredible manipulation of public opinion that freed them. And we like to think that our court system is done in a vacuum, but it's not. And public pressure freed these boys. And a lot of people say, well, if they were guilty, why were they released? Because there was tremendous pr public pressure, and they had a lot of money behind them, and the state, to bring an old ca case to court, um, you are at a tremendous disadvantage, too. However, I still think they probably would have won. I think that uh, innocence fraudsters or innocent supporters of the West Memphis Three like to pretend that alibis aren't important, that confessions aren't important, but I haven't had one tell me or explain to me why Jesse Miss Kelly just kept on confessing and uh, why Eccles who's so upset and going to work to exonerate himself, why doesn't he exonerate himself? Also, why did they point the fingers? Baldwin and Eccles said they were almost 100% certain that John Mark Byers did it. Now they're almost 100% certain that Hobbs did it. Really? Really? So, that's it. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think of the West Memphis Three. 
This case is solved. The killers of the three eight-year-old boys, uh, Chris Byers, uh, Michael Moore, and Stevie Branch are Damian Eccles, Jesse Miss Kelly, and Jason Baldwin. And the reason, and they are also legally guilty.